Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Folks, we're teetering on what could be an economic meltdown, threatening to wash away our savings and retirement. Inflation has surged to levels unseen in 40 years. Gold is the smartest and most responsible investment you can make for you and your family in times like these. A safe haven asset that protects your purchasing power and your wallet from inflation. When it comes to protecting your IRA or 401k, trust only the best. My friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold has earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry and builds relationships based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithlou.com today or give them a call at 844-6484-LOU. Don't wait. Take control of your retirement today. Call 844-6484. 84-L-O-U and speak with one of their experts. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwithlou.com or call 844-648-4LOU. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. Good of you to be with us. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis seems to be creating ever more embarrassments and trouble for herself. Over the past week, we found out Willis had an intimate relationship with her lead special prosecutor in charge of going after President Trump. We then find out that man, Nathan Wade, has never tried a felony case before. Now, all of a sudden, he's fit to try a former president and the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party. But there's more. Fannie Willis paid her man, Nathan Wade, $650,000 since taking the lead on the case, and Wade is now on track to make a million dollars, which would put him on pace to be the second highest paid employee of the Georgia state government. Who is the highest paid, you might ask? He's a man by the name of Kirby Smart, who just happens to be the head coach of the University of Georgia's football team. Kirby, by the way, is talented and accomplished, coach of the two-time national champion Georgia Bulldogs. We can't say much about Nathan Wade. We then find out Wade used his earnings as lead special prosecutor to travel and vacation with his boss, the district attorney, while Wade left his ex-wife and mother to his two children at home, struggling to find any means of financial support, according to court documents. And now, a judge in Atlanta has scheduled a hearing for February 15th on the allegations against Willis and Nathan Wade. The hearing is to have Willis and Wade thrown off a case that was brought by the duo against one of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the RICO case. The judge, Scott McAfee of Fulton County Superior Court, appointed by Governor Brian Kemp, ordered Willis to file a written response to the motion by February 2nd and to appear at the hearing, which will be televised, just as all the proceedings in the case have been. And what does Willis have to say about all of this? Well, Willis still says these attacks are race-based, 
She's being criticized because she's black, she says. Not that she's behaved recklessly, broken regulations and laws, and her conduct has also jeopardized all the cases she's prosecuted. But she hasn't even prosecuted a hundred cases over the past year. Newly obtained emails by the New York Times between Trump lawyers and Willis show Willis telling the defense lawyers that, quote, some people will never be able to respect African Americans, end quote. The race card. Convenient, but sad. She desperately wants to make it about race. It isn't. It obviously isn't. It's about corruption, plain and simple. And now let's turn to the World Economic Forum and the gathering of elites in the Alps, Davos to be exact, wrapping up its final day, and it's been an eventful week for the world's most powerful global elites, oligarchs, and world leaders. One of their top agenda items covered at this year's forum, a discussion on something called Disease X. It's a hypothetical virus, 20 times deadlier than COVID-19. Now get this. While such a virus doesn't actually exist, the World Economic Forum has proactively come up with a plan of action to combat such a virus and prepare the global health system if it were to, well, mysteriously and magically emerge as a pandemic. Think about that for a second. They want to presumably create a vaccine and a plan for a virus that doesn't even exist. Or does it? Is it waiting, lurking in a lab somewhere? Ready for the globalist elites to roll it out? Let's guess. Could it be waiting in a lab somewhere? In China? Perhaps Wuhan? We'll see. The head of the World Health Organization, Tedros Adhaman, urged everyone at the forum this week to sign on to the WHO Pandemic Treaty. That's right, a treaty. So that we could fight disease X. After we started putting a a placeholder, you know, the first that came was uh, in the disease X is, is COVID. So we have experience now <clears throat> and we are preparing based on that experience. A lot of assessment has been done by independent panels and, 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 and experts. And based on their recommendation, the many uh, initiatives have, we have already started many we initiatives. Started. And then the other key in order to have better prepared and to address the disease X, is the pandemic agreement. Mm. The pandemic agreement can bring all the experience, all the challenges that we have faced and all the solutions into one. And that agreement can help us to prepare for the future in, in a better way, because this is about a common enemy. And without a shared response, starting from the preparedness, it, you know, we will, face the same problem as, as, as COVID. And deadline for the pandemic agreement is May 2024. And member states are negotiating. This is between countries. Um, and I hope they will deliver uh, this pandemic agreement by that time, by on the deadline. Only fools would sign up for a treaty like that. Tedros wants everybody, though, to sign the treaty by May of this year. Presumably so, the new disease X could be rolled out just in time for the 2024 elections. And why not? If everybody gets sick, we could just mail in our votes, right? What could possibly go wrong? Our guest today is author and geopolitical expert Gordon Chang, also a great American, a great friend. We're delighted to see you, and thanks, Gordon, for being with us. 
I have to start with Davos. I know it's a peculiar thing to do, but here we are. Davos, Klaus Schwab, all of the globalists still massed in the Alps in Davos, Switzerland, talking big and acting bigger. We have Klaus Schwab saying basically that elections will soon be a thing of the past because it interferes with the discreet judgment of the extravagantly brilliant elites. Take a listen, Gordon. Mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much involved into it. But since the next step could be in, to go into a prescriptive uh, mode, which means um, uh, you, you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already uh, predict what, uh, predict, and afterwards you can say, why do we need elections? Because we know what the result will be. Can you imagine such a world? I have to tell you, Gordon, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if we never heard another word from Klaus Schwab again. Your thoughts? Yes, well, if you think about globalism, inherently it's totalitarian. And especially the way that it's worked out recently, where you have not only Davos, but you've got a lot of UN organizations that believe that they should control the world. And they are very worried that people in the world don't like this. And so we have seen um, rightist revolts around the world. And that is worrying Davos because that gets in the way of their climate policies, their disease policies, you name it. And eventually we are going to see, I think, um, Davos, which was once respected, people wanted to go there. I think it is not only becoming an object of derision now, but it is also being perceived as a threat to freedom and democracy around the world. And precisely so. The idea that uh, Klaus Schwab would even utter those words, he knows what he's doing. He's got international press all there in the auditorium before him. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's sending a message to his uh, all of his acolytes, and there are many uh, in the bureaucracies of at least Western governments. Uh, And he is saying, beware, and here we go. This is the future we're working toward. Do not let Donald Trump interfere with it. They are... Their hair is on fire right now. They, the elites, whether they're in business, education, academia, politics, government, uh, they're they're scared to death because they know that the American people right now have had a belly full of idiots like Joe Biden and uh, uh, what Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, uh, Lloyd Austin, the Defense Secretary, and they're advising Netanyahu to surrender because he. He can't win. He can't win a war against Hamas. These are idiots, and they're monstrously destructive. Yes, and also John Kerry, by the way, the climate czar in the <laughs> Biden administration. Um, it, no, this is this is serious because you know, going back to your first point, um, Davos right now is on the run. They know it. Um, they can see that President Trump is going to be reelected. It frightens the bejesus out of them. And they are worried that uh, Trump is going to lead a worldwide revolution against globalism. Um, The Biden administration, which has been the most globalist American administration ever, even more so than the Obama team, um, you know, has just failed. And they know it and they don't know what to do. They can sit there and they can complain, but um, they, uh, they saw the Iowa caucuses, they see the polling, and they can understand that it's going to be America first again. 
And what really terrifies them, Lou, is that America First is actually working. You know, we had um, we had a lot of people in Davos um, on that line, but there was also Jamie Dimon, um, yeah. the chief executive of J.P. Morgan Chase, who said uh, in an interview with CNBC, well, you know, it looks like Trump was right about a number of things, including China yeah, could you, immigration. Do you believe economy. that? Jamie Dimon coughing it up, uh, giving it up for uh, for President Trump. Uh, this is the the biggest uh, uh, liberal uh, global. And I'm calling him liberal, not Marxist, because I don't think he's quite there yet. But he is a liberal globalist elite of the highest order, at least in commercial banking. Yeah, I mean, he, he runs he's probably the most influential voice in the international business community. And for him to say um, what he did about President Trump and his policies, I think he's legitimizing now a discussion in C-suites about uh, Trump. And, and that's a good thing. Now, of course, Jamie Dimon was alone in Davos saying those things. But I think that this is really um, a, a, a the first the sign of things to come, that people see what's occurring now and at least Jamie Dimon does not want to stand against the tide. Yeah, you know, if, if just for amusement, uh, anyone who wants to could go back right. Uh, and I've watched Jamie Dimon. Uh, I've I've watched him a long time, over decades, uh, from the Sandy Wild days. But go back and look at his statements a couple of years ago when he was thinking. You could tell he was toying with the idea of running for president, uh, and he started talking about the policies that he would uh, would bring, and doing it very lightly and gently. But all of them, nearly all of them, were America First policies. He was he was reading out of the Donald Trump, uh, you know, Playbook. hymn book, and uh, it was amazing. So I'm not entirely surprised that he did uh, acknowledge that Trump was right about uh, trade. He was right about China. Uh, he was right about uh, you know so much everything. Immigration, absolutely. Immigration, border security. But he he had to kind of back into it and sort of do a soft shoe to get there. He was he wasn't all in on the, on acknowledging that. But so many of these elites, particularly corporate elites, they won't give you know they will not surrender uh, their position as free market traders, no matter the cost. Uh, even baby uh, uh, baby economists understand that when you carry deficits over decades, as the United States has, you're bankrupting the nation. We'll be a debtor nation in perpetuity at this rate. People forget we have a national debt of 34 trillion, but we also have an astronomical external uh, trade debt uh, that we have to make up for. Uh, but enough of uh, economics and business, which bores everybody, but probably you and me. We're going to continue with Gordon Chang, and we're going to talk about President Xi, China, and its ambitions, and they're and they're nasty and naughty. We'll be right back with Gordon Chang. Lou Dobbs here. I'm delighted to let you all know that the program Lou Dobbs Tonight has returned to the air. That's right. Lou Dobbs Tonight is back. We're live each and every weeknight at 7 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Central on rumble.com slash Lou Dobbs. That's rumble.com slash Lou Dobbs. I hope you'll be joining us for Lou Dobbs Tonight as our fight to save this country has only begun. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with Gordon Chang. And Gordon, all of the nonsense that's going on with the globalist elites, all of the developments out of Davos and and Klaus Schwab's pronouncements about our futures, Xi Jinping got it right, didn't he? He said, prepare for a Trump future. Uh, and I was, and I have to ask you, why in the world did he acknowledge that? Why did he uh, seemingly, uh, why is he seemingly fine with that? Well, first of all, um, he acknowledged it because it's clear to everyone. I don't do domestic politics, as you know, but it's clear to everybody. You see it on TV, not only on Fox or Newsmax, but also on MSNBC and CNN. They know that Trump is going to get reelected. So that's the one reason. Second of all, China right now realizes that it owns Joe Biden and they are deathly afraid of somebody like President Trump. And for a couple of reasons. First of all, Trump asserts American sovereignty and interests over the globalists, but also Trump is unpredictable. And the one thing that Chinese leaders have problems with are adversaries who are unpredictable. And they know that Trump cannot be reelected after um, a second term. So I think they're really worried about Trump actually following through on his instincts and moving hard against America's enemies, which, of course, include China, because China is at the core of that axis of countries that are out to get us. Definitely out to get us. And yet we are watching this uh, slow motion molasses-like movement towards some sort of negotiation. Zelensky has actually asked the Swiss to intercede in in Ukraine uh, and the Russia war. And we haven't heard a a word of resistance from Vladimir Putin or or their their diplomats in any way. So it looks like something is going on. And interestingly, there is no initiative from the Biden White House The initiative comes from Zelensky himself, who decided to bypass uh, the White House with his uh, moment in Davos. You're thinking. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating about the the Ukrainian leader in uh, Davos. I think that one thing was that Zelensky was trying to play to the crowd because he knows what the crowd wants. And so therefore, um, he's not above actually saying things he might not actually believe. so I don't know what's exactly going on there, but clearly um, I think he also knows that Putin won't negotiate. So he figures, why not make the offer? Um, we look good in front of the global elites and then we can go home and actually 
continue what we're doing, which is fighting a war. Fighting a war, but in slow motion. Uh, this is a war that is unlike any I've ever seen. One of the most powerful nations on earth, Russia, is behaving as if it were, um, I, I don't know, a third world uh, military uh, without nuclear weapons. And and there is a peculiar judiciousness, uh, prudence uh, about every move that Putin and the Russians make militarily in the field. Uh, you and I both know that they have immense stores of weaponry that they could bring to bear. Uh, and now, uh, almost two years uh, in the in this duration, uh, Ukraine is devastated. Uh, it is mauled. It, it, it has uh, field upon field of dead. Uh, this is a, a, a terrible time and a terrible way to watch a war proceed because it's going to be one without conclusion, just deadly, horrible, lasting consequence. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting, and, and uh, you know, you point out Russia's failure to uh, prosecute a, um, an advance, um, an attack. And part of it is because the Russian military, um, and this goes well back before the Soviet Union, Russian military is very much defense-oriented. So in a sense, um, we shouldn't have been too surprised. We were. I was surprised. But we shouldn't be too surprised oh, that the Russian military was not good on the attack. The Russian military was really good on defense when they had the, uh, the Ukrainian counterattack last year. But you remember, the Ukrainian military is also the Russian-inspired. So they weren't very good on attack either. So you have two militaries that are configured for defense, and that leads to the horrible stalemate that you were just talking about. This is sort of like World War I trench warfare, where you got two militaries that can defend but can't attack. And it was only through America's entry into World War I that the Allies prevailed, because we are good on attack. Yeah, we're good on attack. I Yes. I, I don't know what you could say the United States is good at right now. Uh, when you look at Iraq, uh, you look at uh, the Middle East, uh, Afghanistan, uh, and we have an administration that is the architect of the strategy of sudden uh, and complete withdrawal uh, because they developed that strategy in Afghanistan. We have... We have a, an idiot in the Defense Department who doesn't think people need to know that he's sick and won't be available except his deputy. But his deputy happens to be. I mean, you can't make it up. The deputy is on vacation uh, while events uh, swirled around the world. Uh, we have a secretary of state who hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Uh, he and Jake Sullivan are, are, are just blithering idiots. That's all you can say. And they're telling Israel. I, this just drives me nuts. They have the temerity to tell Israel that they can't win their war against Hamas. These, these are beyond moronic. They're, they're, they're absolutely, I, I don't know what's beyond moronic, uh, because they're there. Catastrophic. Um, Lloyd Austin should be uh, should be fired. He should be fired for the events regarding his hospitalization, but he should have been fired in January and February of last year because that rather large object that China floated over territorial U.S. airspace. Yeah. Um, the Pentagon, um, according to reporting, which I think is accurate, did not notify the commander in chief for like three and a half days. 
four days. Um, and that I think is a firing offense. I would, if I were president uh, and someone said, oh, for four days, the Chinese have flown this balloon over US airspace, I would have fired not only the Secretary of Defense, I would have fired the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff because we need to impose some sense of accountability in the Pentagon, which has no sense of accountability at this moment. We're talking with Gordon Chang. We're coming right back after these quick words. Please stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now with Gordon Chang. Uh, Gordon, what is Benjamin Netanyahu doing? He has to be frustrated immensely to be having, first of all, to deal with idiots like Blinken and, and Sullivan and, frankly, the president of the United States, who is demanding a two-state solution in the midst of a war. Uh, as a reward, I guess, for the October 7th massacre of Israelis, men, women, children, and babies. I, I, I am so infuriated at th- that this country is dumb enough to put people like Joe Biden, uh, Sullivan, uh, Blinken, and Austin, and the list goes on, but a judge. Uh, I, I mean, how can we be so dumbed as to put asses like that in office? Oh. That's, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, um, when you start to look at Israel, Israel is winning the war. And to say it can't win um, is just inconceivable. I mean, it's just a military judgment, which I believe is unsupportable. Um, But it goes beyond this, Lou. And the reason why this is so critical is because our adversaries, our enemies, are looking at the American support for Israel And they're saying, look, you know, will America support Taiwan? Will America um, defend Japan and the Philippines, according to our mutual defense treaties? And I think the Chinese are taking away some pretty dangerous lessons from what's going on in the Middle East. You know, for for weeks and weeks and weeks, we just absorbed attacks from Iranian proxies and did nothing. And then when we finally started to uh, have these uh, airstrikes and bombings, they, they obviously aren't working because the Houthis and other Iranian proxies are still attacking our forces. Um, so we have uh, an administration which pronounces these things, which it thinks sound good to the ear, but which are leading to disaster. And, and this is not just Israel. You know, you start from the catastrophic withdrawal of Afghanistan. You can uh, trace the line to Putin's decision to invade Ukraine. You can see China and Russia unopposed in destabilizing North Africa. And then, of course, um, Israel. And by the way, Lou, one other thing, and that is, why would Iran think it would be a good idea to attack Pakistan? 
Well, the answer is the world is falling apart. It sees that there is the United States is not on the watch and it feels it can do whatever it wants. So Pakistan, so Iran has attacked Pakistan, Syria and Iraq recently, and it's getting away with it. And I think other bad actors around the world will do the same thing. This is called the prelude to World War Three. I think you very well could be right. And 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 don't forget poor poor old us, the United States. Iran is also attacking uh, our ally, Israel, uh, through Hamas and Hezbollah. They are also attacking in Syria and Iraq, uh, and we are not responding. And, of course, Yemen, the Houthis firing on international shipping, including U.S. ships, uh, and trying to uh, attack and to hit one of our uh, one of our navy sh one of our navy ships, and there's no response. These these are all issues that are coming together, coalescing at the same time. And can you imagine what the Biden mind must do as it tries to absorb even any part of the forces at work against the interest of the United States and its national security? In the late 1930s, there were wars and conflicts around the world, which were separate, but they merged into what we now call World War II. We are seeing the same dynamic today. And in addition to all the places we've just talked about, across our southern border, we are catching and not catching Iranians, Syrians, Venezuelans, and Chinese who look like saboteurs. As part of the 9-11 deal last year with Iran, when Biden released $6 billion in frozen funds, he granted clemency to five Iranian operatives. Now, three of them decided to remain in the United States. And this is at a time when we are providing Secret Service protection to mid-level State Department officials because we're afraid that Iranians might assassinate them. I mean, this to me is just indescribable. I mean, it's incomprehensible that Biden would allow Iranian operatives to stay in our country. And we have all sorts of people coming across that southern border who obviously have intentions to attack the United States and kill Americans if they're given the order. And by the way, you know, last couple of days, we learned about the uh, Chinese uh, uh, development of mutant strains of COVID-19, which have a 100% kill rate. Yep. By the way, that laboratory in Reedley, California, that secret Chinese biological weapons facility that was discovered last spring, that had not only at least 20 pathogens, according to the official account, it had almost a thousand mice that had been genetically engineered to spread disease. Remember, this 100% kill rate is being tested on mice. You know, I, I, here we here we are talking about that laboratory that almost no one has paid attention to. You've always said that there have to be at least, I believe, 20 others uh, scattered around the country. If they had that many uh, sitting there in California, un undetected, uh, found only by accident. Uh, and yet there is no response with the Chinese. Uh, the Biden administration, if anyone doubts that this president is absolutely compromised by the Chinese and has sold out his office, all they have to do is look at every issue, every event, every incident with China, whether it's balloons, whether it's uh, laboratories, whether it is the South China Sea, uh, it is all the same with the strategic petroleum reserves, which he's drained to levels of, uh, you have to go back 40, 40 years to find this, this, anything similar. He is 
making decisions in the interest of China in each instance. He gives in, he appeases, he he follows orders is is the way it looks to me. Uh, your, your thoughts as we wrap up here, Gordon? I, I can't think of a more grave threat. Um, you remember that the FBI last year closed a Chinese police station oh, in yeah. Chinatown in New York. Well, the Daily Caller um, has identified uh, between seven and nine other Chinese police stations in the United States, and they are still open. Right. You know, I don't think that China had only one biological weapons lab on American soil. We know that Chinese agents, uh, not only uh, Ministry of State Security, but Chinese diplomats are violating our sovereignty um, with impunity under the Biden administration. We are going to be under attack, Lou, and the American people need to be prepared. Never has the Second Amendment been more important because I believe that people not only have a right to bear arms, I think they have an obligation to bear arms. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I urge everyone listening uh, and watching to uh, to make certain that you are prepared to defend yourself. Because one thing is very clear, our government is not going to be that uh, the institution that does under this president, at least. Gordon Chang, as always, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we appreciate it and look forward to talking with you next time. Take care, my friend. I appreciate it, Lou, and stay safe. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you, everybody, for being with us today. Please be here tomorrow for the Great America Saturday show featuring social critic and author Heather McDonald and Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. Please join us. And please join us for Lou Dobbs tonight, each and every weeknight on Rumble and Twitter and Roku, Apple TV and Frank Speech and more. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time. Please join us. And follow me on Twitter and True Social at Lou Dobbs, on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. May God bless America.